Do you use Pinterest? So I, well, I know it's just strange, but it's it, oddly enough, it's where I found what I found. That's been really, it has been the most enjoyable workout I've ever done. I've never said that sentence before. Hey, and welcome to the Seats to Streets podcast, a conversation centered around adding a voice and practical tools through your earbuds on the subject of missions in the established church. Many pastors and pastoral staff want to do more in the area of local and global missions, but feel overwhelmed at where to start and how. Listen in and learn key practices and new perspectives from missionaries and ministers working to move people from Sunday morning seats to local and global streets. All right, what are we, what are we doing today? All right, well... In, a, uh, in an effort to get stuff out for Seats to Streets collaboratives and to start this whole thing on a podcast, um, we missed an important step, Brian. Uh, we should have talked about who we are. So I think we're going to spend a few minutes here um, and uh, help our listeners out to understand who the heck are we? Because um, they've heard these names. They've heard us talk. But who are we? So uh, before I take some voices that claim to be experts and they sound so good too. Uh, (laughs) So before I I go to talk about myself, Brian, Brian, I I really want to talk about you um, because I like talking about you, especially behind your back. Um, (laughs) But this time I'll, I'll, I'll I'll talk to your front. Uh, Who, who are you? Like, like, where are you, where are you at right now? I know you talked about, we've, we've, we've talked about Kenosha. So, so tell us the church you work at and tell us uh, where you're, where you're, where you're located and how long you've been there and all that stuff. Yeah, so I'm I'm here in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Uh, I've been here for 16 years. Uh, I started here as the minister of adults, which really meant kind of men's and women's um, service projects, small groups, church events, all that stuff. And then after a few years on staff, uh, I moved into the lead minister role, uh, and I've been in that role uh, for the last um, like 13 years now. And so been working through that and and what it means to um, have have a church that already has an identity. The the guy who was a senior minister before me had been on staff at that point for almost 30 years. Um, And um, actually, even after the transition, immediately minister, still on staff full time and regularly preaching for another, you know, all the way up until um, just a, a, a year or so ago. And so you know, it's just an unusual environment in that sense hmm. as we, we try to navigate all that. So uh, prior to that, even though I'm up here in the, the great white north now, prior to that, I spent uh, four years in the small little town in Kentucky. I, I've joked, but it's not it's not a joke, that the church that I was at, in the state of Kentucky at the time, there was one one-lane wooden plank bridge still being used for cars. You had to go across it to get to the church that I was mm. at. And so that's where I was in Kentucky and spent uh, spent four years there. And then prior to that, um, I worked in the Houston, Texas area and spent two years down there. And so it's kind of unusual through that setting. Um, I've had the chance to be employed by the Presbyterian, by one, one branch of the Presbyterian church. I've had the chance to work with Disciples of Christ churches, um, uh, worked with uh, Christian churches, independent churches. Uh, Churches of Christ as well for most of my career. It's kind of where a lot of the background comes from. Uh, my family, my mom, I think once said we were Catholicist because uh, we were uh, one side of my mom's family is, is Catholic, but Catholic with this strong uh, Methodist sort of Bible focus. Hmm. And so that was always uh, a key component in there. And then, you know, along with that, I, and I think this does play into sort of my spiritual 
uh, engagement with God and who we are. And it speaks into a lot of the things that I think we talk about is um, when when I was dating my wife, uh, we we asked someone asked us a question once, like, how many kids do you want to have? And I was quick to go zero. Oh, yeah. And my wife was like, 10. Like, <laughs> well, you've got a zero in there. Yes. Uh, but we are clearly confused as to our number. And so we went for a long time like that wasn't going to be a conversation. Um, and then uh, and we had you know, two children and, and that was great. Life was going well. And my wife for years had talked about, you know, foster parents right. and adopting and fostering right. and adopting. I'm like, that is never going to happen. And then just God had been working on me for a period of time about, hey, you know how you keep talking about caring for widows and orphans? Here's mm-hmm. an idea. Why don't you actually do it rather oh, than yeah. keep telling other people to do it? Which is just, that's not fair. Yeah. But uh, but right around that same time, uh, my wife, Misty, kind of said, hey, Brian, I want to ask you one question. I'm going to ask you one time. If you say no, we'll never talk about it again. It'll be like, I promise we'll... What do you think about about fostering? And she's it almost get that gets that she's, moment where you she's just recoiled back back. a little bit. She's she's yeah, recoiled yeah, she's like I'm waiting for it. And I'm like, I hate to say this, but I think you might be right. <laughs> um, and uh, and it was as far as we can understand in the math, it would have been within the week of that conversation. Like it might have been the day of that conversation that um, that one of my daughters who we adopted through foster care would have been born. Wow. And so it's like just the providence of how all that works. I'm not a big fan of the sense of coincidence. I'm a much bigger fan of providence. Right. Um, And so since then we have been fostering, uh, we've adopted two children through foster care. Um, So we're now a family of four kids and, and, you know, the six total, but, uh, but that does speak a lot into sort of how God moves in me and works in my world. I guess speaks into our world. Yeah. I, I, no one, no one can see me right now, but I'm, 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 I'm chuckling that you actually got the math right, because I, I, I know details are just such a strong suit. <laughs> I don't do. It's like it's I got four kids, so that makes about seven of us, six of us. <laughs> I, oh, well, it was, it, I, I've done that a lot lately because we, we just had a foster child that we had um, for. I would tell you how many months, but I'd probably be wrong. Yeah. I think it was around eight months. Right. Um, and and they just moved. Uh, they got reunited with their family, which is with their biological family, which is awesome. That's that's kind of our our hope in, in a lot of what we do. Yeah. But it was really hard to go. Well, how how large is your family? Like uh, six and a depends half. Depends on the month. Depends on the yeah. I, I've done that. This I, is what we got for now. We've 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 been we've been questioned before whenever we've had you know our foster kids with us, and uh, they're like, "How many kids do you have?" And they can clearly see that I'm pushing like four kids. I'm like, "Well, I." Only got two and they're they're just completely dumbfounded i said but let me introduce you to my two foster sons you know and, and I said, but it also depends on the month you know we've we've had we've had i'm and here i'm trying to think now uh we've had we've had five kids and then we would go down to two and then uh, now we're permanently up to three um and so we're still waiting on the state of kentucky to uh, uh finish up some of their background checks uh for our family so we'll we'll, we'll I'll, I'll clue you in a little bit of my foster story as well but uh, yeah. That's why one of the worst questions in the world that I I get on a regular basis, and the looks I get from people, oh yeah, is I regularly get the question, uh, "What are their birthdays?" Oh uh, my goodness! So I, I so because of my dyscalculia, because of the way I get yeah. numbers, I just give me a minute. I'm gonna have to look all that up. There's seventy three. What? Oh, you can especially see the look from the moms and the grandmoms <laughs> looking at me like, uh, you don't know. Do them? you love your children at all? Did you steal these kids? Uh, no, no, they're mine. No. I I promise. But I, I I can't keep track of of those sort of 
it's so bad when I go places and I look at them like, what's your birthday again? All right, good. Thanks. And, uh, but, uh, my name is, my name is J.R. Horn and, and I get the privilege of, of, uh, of being, uh, the second part of this podcast with Brian and, um, our stories are interconnected a little bit. I, I, I grew up in Kentucky. I, I grew up, uh, born and raised in small town, Kentucky. Uh, matter of fact, the, the, the small uh, community that Brian pastored in was the community that I grew up in. We didn't know each other too well then. Uh, what Brian knew of me, he knew enough that he didn't want to work with me or see me anymore after a, a summer of camp that we, in, uh, that we in, in, interacted with. And I, Brian, I believe that was only a week long. Uh, so I made such a good impression <laughs> that uh, you, you, I remember you looking at my youth minister at the time and go, who is that kid? Yeah, I don't want to see him ever again. Uh, so That conversation actually happened the first night I, I met I, you. I was not <laughs> going to mention that part, but uh, I, I figured no, the week. Night. No, that's the week, important. It was the one week. Give, give me some credit. But we've grown. Oh, have we? And yeah, so there's so much to that. But uh, I grew up in a, in a small town in a very uh, um, rural setting. And uh, a church that was a uh, Christian church, uh, 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 always been a Christian church in my sort of faith background. Um, and we were the family that every time the doors were open, we were there. I, I even had one of my high school classes was, a, was a, a co-op class where you could literally check out of high school for the last two hours or two hour block of time and, and go work. I chose to go work at the church. Um, but the interesting part of it is I, 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 I felt this call into ministry for some time and I totally denied it just, just because of, of watching some of the faith leaders in my community, how they were, how they were treated. Uh, and so as I'm going into college, I'm like, there's no way I'm going into ministry. No, 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 um, no. And now fast forward so many years, I'm in, I'm into ministry and I graduate with a Bible college degree and lo and behold, who calls me? Brian Gorman, me. Hey, uh, what are you doing after college? <laughs> I have no idea. He goes, great. You're going to come work for me. I'm like, uh, no, I don't want to. Uh, no, I'm good. I don't want to come work with you. Nothing that it was uh, nothing about Brian, just about the church was established. And I was a young youth minister coming out, blah, 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 all that. Um, turns out that we worked together very well. And 11 years we spent on the, at the same church in Kenosha. And uh, that's the place where I started off as a student minister. And after uh, a number of years, the, the, uh, I found myself uh, getting more into missions and more into the desire of seeing our church active locally and globally. And by the time that I left, my, my title was Minister of Compassionate Service. I was able to oversee everything that we did locally and globally. And that is where the passion for Seats to Streets came about. Um, I, 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 what I, we were doing at Kenosha, I wanted other churches to have, I wanted to learn more so we could, so I could bring back to that church and give away. So, um, this is really what birthed seats to streets, church coaching. I want to see more churches, uh, understand their ability to be strategic and intentional with their local and global missions. Uh, one of the, one of the phrases, Brian, you've heard me say before is that, uh, it, to, to be effective in missions, it takes more than having a checkbook. I mean, I mean, how many churches have we interacted with that their extent of local and global missions are quarterly meetings as a missions team and to make sure that the missionaries are getting their checks, which as someone who lives on support, I am very thankful of. <laughs> but man, I, I want to see so much more. There's so much more that can take place. So uh, I am now located down in Louisville, Kentucky, um, working with and on staff with an organization called Team Expansion. 
And so a, a ministry arm of Team Expansion is this church coaching, this Seats the Streets. Uh, team Expansion in, in and of itself is, a, we would consider ourselves a disciple-making organization that seeks to make disciples among the unreached. So um, when you look at our world today of 7.7 billion people or whatever, there's still 3 billion people that have yet to hear the gospel. It's not their language. They don't have any sort of, they don't have the Jesus film translated in their, in their language. They may not even have a language that's even written yet. Uh, they don't have the gospel in their language. And our organization focuses specifically on these areas, these groups, um, to ensure that the gospel is, is, uh, is given to them and that uh, they're able to interact uh, with, with scriptures. So um, the seats, the streets side of that is our arm, our give back to the established church here in the United States to be able to uh, resource and engage and equip um, uh, uh, every church to be able to be intentional and strategic with their missions. So, um, I, Brian, I've also got a little bit of a foster story. So here, here's this. I think we'll actually make this into a, an actual podcast. We'll actually go into this and some of our struggles of getting into getting into foster care. Cause I think that's something that the church um, needs to have a, a, a better conversation on um, and what that looks like for churches to be mobilized uh, to impact their, their foster system. So um, we are, I would think it's absolutely one of the easiest ways. That, I agree. That, that is one of the easiest ways for churches to really say, this is my community and, and we're going to be personally invested in what well, we just, we just talked about uh, on, on episode two that just released um, that just released two days ago, Brian, we just, we just talked about proximity. We talked about what it is to live in proximity with the people you're trying to, uh, to reach the foster care system is a citywide proximity. You don't have to be in the exact community that you want to reach. This is a ministry you can have that you can be out of proximity, uh, because you're forced into proximity by the taking care of someone's child. You're forced into proximity that way. Uh, so I, I agree with you. How closer can you be than the bedroom down the hall? I agree. I agree with you. And then the and then the supervised yeah. visits, and then attending the court cases, and then making sure that you're treating biological mom and dad as human beings, as to as to which they are, acknowledging their human. Anyway, we're that we're, we got to we got to save some of that. Um, but I have. I have, a, I have a little bit uh, interesting part about that. Uh, I myself uh, pushed back so many times, so much on my wife. She said, hey, we really need to be foster parents, we really be foster parents. She is such a sweetheart, loves kids. Um, she's got an early childhood education degree. I mean, that is just who she wants to be around. And myself, I don't. So we took about eight months for me to come around to the idea of being a foster parent. And here's kind of, you know, you have your story of, you know, making that decision on right around the week or the day that, that your uh, daughter was born. Um, we kept listening to sermons and things that um, uh, from the, from the church and studies and, 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 and moving our people there in Kenosha, moving them toward foster care. Um, we went on vacation. My, my wife and I went on vacation. And uh, so while we're on vacation, it overlapped on a Sunday. We decided we were going to find a church that we were going to go to as a family. Uh, so we did. We, we found this church that was near where we were vacationing, and we, we decided to go there. You want to know what they were talking about that Sunday? Fostering and adopting and the same scriptures that we were using. I couldn't run away from it. 
It was amazing. I literally in the message uh, during the during the during the sermon, I leaned over to my wife and I said, "Hey, uh, this is clearly God speaking, and I cannot run away from it." Like I I, I come face to face with the fact that I was running away from it. So when we got back from uh, our vacation, we called our local um, foster care agency, signed up. Three and a half months later, we started having kids coming into our house. So, yeah, we'll talk more about that on a different episode. But, Brian, tell me some hobbies. Um, I know some hobbies. What are some hobbies that uh, you think are pretty unique and uh, um, people would find as interesting? If not, I'm going to ask them about them, and I just don't want to make them embarrassing. I've given you that option. I'm letting you know now, what are some hobbies? That's hard to say. I mean, my, so this is the reality of, of who I am is there's, there's always a better, right? This is important. Like I always believe there's a better. And so, um, one of my personal goals is every year, um, personally, I want to learn a new skill, um, to such a degree that I'd be willing to do it in public. Okay. Um, So whether that be, I'm going to learn a new language this year. I'm going to learn a new instrument this year. Um, so, and then some of those things last well beyond that time, right? So, uh, learning how to play ukulele has lasted well beyond the year that I was working on. And at the end of that year, I played a ukulele solo, uh, in front of a group of people. And so right now, the big thing for me, uh, when it comes to a hobby, so to speak, is I'm big into kickboxing and MMA. That's a huge focus of my attention um that that I, I spend a lot of time with with guys who do that guys who are doing it as amateurs guys who are doing it as professionals um at at all different levels guys in ufc guys in bellator guys in local regional stuff uh and so i just man i just absolutely love being involved in that uh especially knowing that i'm almost always the before picture in that environment <laughs> um, i am uh, I, I i believe i'm the third oldest a uh, person who's a member of the gym, yep. uh, and I'm I'm relatively certain I'm the second heaviest person who's a a member of the gym. But I just I enjoy being around these guys. I enjoy being around it because of what I can do in it. But I also enjoy man these are, these are great people to talk to about Jesus, uh, which which we do on a regular basis. Yeah. And so I've just kind of found a bit of that niche and role. So that is a huge focus and attention of mine. Um, yeah, my favorite hobby though is hitting and kicking things. There's nothing more enjoyable. What, what what about you? What are your what are your hobbies at this point? Oh man, they change every six to eight weeks. Um, uh, it, it, that is that's not a that hobby. Is, that's a distraction. Oh my goodness, my ADD kicks in to the point where uh, I, I I find something every six to eight weeks and decide that I'm going to go do that. I um uh. Did you know that I, <laughs> I I've laid awake at night and uh, read the ATF manual on how to open up a uh, a um, uh, how to get a uh, federal firearms license? Well, that sounds useful. No, it's not. I, I've <laughs> laid awake at night because my ADD decided to hyper focus on. You know what you need to do? You need to uh, open a side business of. Uh, cleaning and repairing and, and selling firearms. So, uh, you, to order to have that, you have to have a federal firearms license. So you need to read the ATF manual on what it takes to be able to have that. So I did it 2 AM. Yeah. Yeah. And I only own a shotgun because it was given to me and I, I have no affinity. I, 
I'm not one of those guys that's got a bunker full of ammunition and, and, and weapons. And I live in Kentucky. Matter of fact, I am 40 minutes from Fort Knox and which you, Oh, here's something cool. Uh, they send out on the, on the news, uh, they will send out a week's worth of warning before they do their live fire drills because we can hear them. Wow. It's awesome. I mean, you can hear when they, I, I'm only assuming they're setting off charges or there's, uh, there's tanks or something, but you can hear it. We, we'll sit outside and listen. I mean, it doesn't sound like what you would think, like you'd Google like a, what a war zone would sound like, but you can hear uh, the low rumbling booms and it's yeah. at night. And it's usually, it's usually in the spring or the fall when it's raining and it's cool, like maybe 60 degrees, uh, which is fairly warm, but not at night and not when you're out in the rain. Um, mm. so they're doing these live fire exercises. So that's, that's pretty cool. Uh, you know what? I mean, one of the hobbies that I've stuck with for quite some time now is, is motorcycling. I, I, I love riding, riding motorcycles. And uh, uh, something unique is, is that my wife uh, chooses to not ride uh, with me on my motorcycle. Uh, not because she's in fear of her life, uh, because she has her own. She, uh, she decided that um, um, she wanted a motorcycle. So years ago, for our anniversary, we decided for our anniversary gift, we're going to go take a motorcycling class. Like, I just grew up riding motorcycles. Like, I just grabbed my buddy's motorcycle and just started riding it at 16, 15 years old or whatever. Um, uh, convinced other guys when, I, when we were in high school that had bikes that, uh, I, you know, that I could take their bikes out and didn't have a motorcycle's license. I just rode it. I just, that's just what I, that's just what I did. Um, so I decided, you know what, let's, let's get, let's let's go for the class i already had my bike and uh, and she wanted her so let's let's go to the class so we went to the local harley dealership signed up signed up for the class and uh i you know we'd been working and saving back some money thinking that maybe she'd want a bike six eight months later maybe a year later after if we rented a few times and she got familiar with it nope two weeks after class she's like let's go bike shopping but yeah as far as hobbies man i i just i just enjoy motorcycling um I enjoy learning. I enjoy reading. Uh, there's, I've always got two or three books that I'm trying to read through. Uh, mainly it's because of just the ADD doesn't let me finish a book. Uh, so I've always got two or three books that I'm trying to read through. I have been hooked lately on some crazy stuff, but I tell you the, the like audible has definitely been oh, my love audible, my new thing. Love but that. Audible. Uh, I'm telling you, you've got to listen to that book. I've got it. Reading scriptures with Western, Western eyes. eyes. Yep, I've got it. Um, so it, it's it's killing me because I, I would I would I would run through an, an audible subscription and then and then buy more subscriptions. Mm -hmm. I would run through a prolific amount of podcasts. I don't listen to the radio. Like I couldn't tell you a local radio station right. here in Louisville at all. Um, I have a few playlists on Amazon that I've curated just because. Uh, it, it's, is a certain tempo for work and a certain tempo, you know, for workout and things like that. And like, I don't, I don't add anything to it. Like, that's just, that's the four or five artists. And it's been that yeah. way for years because I just, I just have something on and that's it. So I listen to a ton of books and a ton of podcasts, but I tell you what's really slowed, slowed me down is, uh, uh, where, when, when, when COVID hit, uh, my travels to churches to coach in person completely went on a camera. I mean, that's, that's, right. that's why we're doing this right now. It's what birthed out of that was, well, let's, let's create a, let's create a podcast. We got to get resources into, into, into church's hands. Then I'm going to do this. So, man, I'm telling you what my, it, it, 
I, I, I can now keep up with my audible subscription and I can now keep up with the podcast. Cause normally I'd have, I'd run about six months and I'd be like, I got to add some more podcasts. Cause I'm, I gotta, I gotta add some more. Cause I've, I mean, I've driven from Orlando back to Louisville straight through and burnt through books. Like I listened to yeah. a, the entire Malcolm Gladwell. Uh, was it talking with strangers? Um, yeah, that was a great one. Oh, uh, hurtful. But painful, have you seen the new book. audible feature? Right. Then now they've got that Audible, what do they call it? But it's basically all the free books on Audible. Yes. There's some really good ones. Well, that's what, and that misreading is, is free. Uh, uh, did, did you get, oh, I probably didn't tell you. Oh, I'm going to, I'm kind of a bad, maybe I'm a bad friend. Maybe, or maybe you told me the um, um, dinner, dinner with Mark Twain. What's the book called by, and it's, that's read and narrated uh, by Nick Offerman. Yeah. No, I've got that oh, one. Oh my goodness. I have yeah. li- I've I've listened to that. I'm repulsed about the menu that that Mark that Mark Twain uh, ate on, on his trips up and down the up another river. But uh, I, I'm I'm I can listen to Nick Offerman at all times of the day. <laughs> I don't care what he's reading, and I don't care what language he's speaking. Uh, the cadence that of of which that man can speak is absolute brilliance. That's I'm struggling with one right now. Although the information is is tremendous, but there's a the guy who wrote this misreading scriptures with Western eyes wrote a foreword for another guy's book um, called Reading Romans with Eastern Eyes. Mm. Um, and being that I'm about to preach through the book of Romans, I'm like, well, this will be really interesting. And, and they are, they're very complimentary. Like you hear the overview of it in this first guy's book, but the guy who's doing the narrating in the second one just doesn't, uh, is, I'm not as big a fan of his particular cadence. Um, right. And then one of my favorites is there's a book that I, I listened to uh, called How to Fight Presidents, and um, where if you had a time machine and could go back and fight every president that we've ever had, uh, but it had to be a hand-to-hand combat, like how would you win? Hmm. Uh, and so the guy who actually, I know the guy who wrote the book, I'm not, I don't know him personally, but I've listened to him before, and he read the forward of the book. But he's like, you don't want to listen to he's got a little, It is kind of a nerdy voice. Like, you don't want to listen to this for the whole book. So they found right. a man who has just the right tone to mm-hmm. read. And it's, and it's part of the humor of it because I can hear in my mind the actual author's the author. voice. Right. But then you hear this guy doing it, and it's pretty brilliant to me how uh, how well he sets this thing out. But Oh, that's yeah. awesome. That's awesome. Anyway. All right. That is All right, folks, that is a little bit about us, and we are so glad you stuck with us. Next time on the podcast, Brian, we're talking about goals. Goals. Love those. Goals. Goals, 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 goals. We're talking about goals. We're also talking about goals in February. I know it's a little odd time to talk about goals, but uh, we've got some really good stuff planned about why we're talking about goals into the new year. Um, Should be noted as we talk about goals, right? I, I, I want to share this in relation to that. As we talk about goals... There's something about that phrase that people are like, "Oh, I've heard about uh, goals. I know, I know all recoil. Look, you have, but that was that was BC before COVID. Yes. We are yes. not in BC anymore, Correct. and the rules have changed. So we need to talk yep. about how does that work, and how does that work in relation to the health and vision and values of your overall church? Because that's where the rules have changed. Yes, this is about fulfilling the passions." That God has given you in your heart and in your gut. What does that look like to 
create goals to advance the kingdom locally and globally. So I want to invite you to stick around. Uh, we're going to start those conversations here in a few weeks. And uh, when I have about uh, the next two episodes, I'm going to talk about goals, goals, and what does it look like to uh, create goals for your local missions and your global missions. But for now, Brian, have a good one, buddy. Yep. Catch you guys later. You've been listening to the Seats to Streets podcast, a conversation centered around moving your people from Sunday morning seats to local and global streets. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening.